India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Shield. What up, hello? Another epic entrance here at Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Probably one of the best entrances you could have asked for there. That was excellent. Uh, that was. It was well-timed. And see, like you see, you never lose it. Never I, was always, it. I was always skilled. Now I've got an hour and a half not to muck up, so I'm, I'm bound to do something wrong. <laughs> All right. Take, take your bets. When is he going to mess up? <laughs> yes, that is. You've just heard the entrance music to The Shield that... One of the top stables to ever appear in WWE who have recently reunited and as a result we're going to mark it by talking about great stables, even not great stables, in the world of wrestling. I am the shield of this group, Stephen Wilson. Across from me is our kind tie, Mr. David Hockney. <laughs> and joining us this week is the Wyatt family of our group, James Murphy. Hey, what's up? What's up, what's up, what's up? You need to speak. Can we hear you? You need to speak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You speak closer to this. I want to speak louder as well. I just uh, yeah, we can, my voice. We can hear you, so it's good. So, yeah, this is Eat Sleep Soup Pricks. We tweet, and we are going to talk stables. Okay, oh, great. That's great. Now, I think, as we discussed before the show, what better way to start than with these guys? What better way to start them with the Shield? Now, um, the Shield, for those of you who um, don't know about the Shield, why are you listening to this show, first of all? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, just to, give a cl- uh, just to clarify, uh, the Shield formed in to- late 2012. Debuted ra- at Survivor Series 2012. Mm-hmm. Thank you, David. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran right on the roster for two years, had the most heartbreaking breakup you will ever see from a stable, and have more recently reunited to fight the probably the oddest group you'll ever see okay. in wrestling. It's like a whole group of like who the, who exactly like these people together because it's just like it's well, mixing it's mixing. I don't know. It's like I don't know what it I'd is. Like to, I'd like to think that it was kind of a almost a Survivor Series of like the Shield versus the rest of Raw. You got Miz. Braun Strowman, I think Curtis Axel? No, Sheamus no, no, no. and Cesaro. Sheamus and Cesaro, that's four. Yeah. Versus three somehow? Yeah, no, it was, uh, they're against five people now. Okay, who else is in there? It's Kane. Yeah, oh, Kane, he came back, didn't he? Yes, yeah. Kane. Kane. Oh, he, burst, he burst out of the ring, of course. I mean, Mikey Whiplash style, I prefer to call it these days because he's the person who does it the most. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I would say. The shield reforming was not a surprise for anyone. I think everybody, I think a lot of people saw it coming because uh, they had common enemies and you know, but seeing them back together was great, you know, because they just worked, they just gelled so well as a group. They were picking up wins left, right, and centre over yeah. some of the biggest names you could ask for. So let's let's, let's talk about the, the as David says there about the history of the shield there uh, about how good a s- stable they were because they came back at a point where the kind of stables had started to fall off again in 2012 and they were a surprisingly well booked up and coming stable they were call-ups from NXT as well so they weren't just like guys who were floating about on the main roster doing nothing you know these were fresh faces that the sort of main roster type audience wasn't familiar with uh, and to see these sort of uh, these up and coming rookies as it were you know their new faces new talent and it was just like a breath of fresh air when they first arrived uh, debuting against uh, during the Triple Threat WWE Championship match at Survivor Series 2012 featuring 
CM Punk, John Cena, and Ryback, where they put Ryback through the announce table with the signature triple powerbomb. The triple powerbomb has got to be up there as one of the best combination finishes. I don't like it. Oh, here we right. go, here we go. You got, you got the uh, Legion of Doom. Right, you got Legion of Doom. They do their top rope finisher, and that looks like it's going to slam someone and like put them through the next coma for the next Sunday, right? What you get from the Shield is Roman Reigns powerbombing someone, and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins give them a little, give them a little pat. Essentially, <laughs> it's not a great triple finisher at all. It doesn't actually look like it would hurt someone apart from Roman Reigns doing the damage. And you know what? If anything, I'm sure they love it because it makes Roman look great. But you know, it doesn't. Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins don't do much. But, but, but in tag team matches, of course, they look fantastic. There's a but you know, it's not a great finisher. There's a debate going about that the only reason that we've got the shield back together is to get Roman over. No, I think there is, there is some element of truth to that, I have to say. It's like the management backstage have said, we've tried absolutely everything to get Roman over, so let's put him back together with the two guys that made him get over in the first place. And I think when it's all said and, said and done, you know, if they disband again, people will think and carry that, uh, that re- revitalised push, as it were, into uh, a WrestleMania singles run again, which I don't believe is going to be the case. Because even like, because when they first arrived on Monday Night Raw this week, like people were booing when Kurt Angle handed Roman Reigns the mic, and they thought, no, get it away from Roman, let Dino Seth talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but obviously it was such a well anticipated thing. The Shield coming up. that just shows how well they were booked in their original run. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are still debating to this day whether it was the right time for it to split up. I think, looking back now, it was the best time for it to go. Uh-huh. Because looking at this, the successes that they've had since then. When they beat Evolution to this as well before splitting up, that's, that's a huge achievement. Mm-hmm. But it just shows that, uh, how, that the quality that a good stable can bring to wrestling. I mean, the stable is obviously something that's went back for the last 50 odd years in the whole wrestling industry. It was about all around about in the early, in the early days, but it didn't really take off until about the 80s, where we got the the joyous multiple facing off all the time feud of the Von Erichs and the fabulous Freebirds. Mm-hmm. It was a while ago. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a bit. Of that. How much did you know about these two teams? Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, well, I know obviously part of the. Uh, Tag team rules for holding a title is obviously means that you can defend it as a group, which comes, it's called the Freebirds Rule, or Freebirds Law, whatever you want to call Freebird it. Rule, yeah. uh, it's also why, obviously, the New Day were uh, introducing the, was it the Freebirds? Yeah. The Hall of Fame? The Fab. Oh, yeah, that's Yeah, because, because obviously they're, they're, they're defending the titles under the same rules. So with the New Day, any member of the New Day as a tag team, so Xavier Woods, Big, uh, Big E, you know, Kofi Kingston, Big E, whatever, any combination of them can defend the titles. Which is unlike uh, when the Shield were together, the title holders were just two of them. Because Dean Ambrose was US champ, I That's believe, right, and Reigns and Rollins were the tag champions. Yeah. So, so it's not like, a, it's not like a Ambrose could ever actually defend the belt. But obviously teams at like the New Day, as a stable, can defend it. So I mean, obviously they paved the way for a lot of different tag team mix-ups. And one of the better strengths for that, I think, is if one of them gets injured, you don't actually miss a step, which can put a lot of tag teams on the sideline because they had a revival. Uh, what happened with Dawson? Oh, the, the revival. No, Dash injured his jaw. And, and then Scott Dawson. Or his bicep. So, you know, I think uh, stables are a good thing, if anything, just for keeping the same storyline going. 
You having multiple people in it means that you don't have to miss a beat if one of them no. gets injured. Like you say, the, the free bird rule is obviously the thing that the, the free birds are probably most well known for in the current time, other than Michael Hayes making so many irrelevant comments. Uh, I guess that's a bit of a backstage thing, we'll talk about it in detail. But in terms of the actual well known stables, it wasn't really pioneered until we got this lot introduced. I'm gonna guess this one. Who, 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 do you have a clue who they are? It's the Four Horsemen, of course. Absolutely. Uh, the Four Horsemen. Uh, uh, the name and they gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I'd give it a bit, make it a little bit fun. Yeah, uh, so, some themes. so yeah, the Four Horsemen, uh, introduced in the late 80s in WCW, NWA. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, origin, the, the most well-known five. Uh, we're looking at, of course, the five. You're including the manager there. You're including the manager. Yeah, of course, sure you, you can't have the horseman without J.J. Dillon. Uh -huh. uh, so you're looking at uh, Flair, Rick Flair, the nature boy Rick Flair, of course, uh, Arn Anderson, Terry Blanchard, Barry and Wynum. Barry Wynum. So they really put stables on the mat in the late 80s, early 90s in WCW. Mm, definitely, yeah. Do you think, I mean, the thing about that one is um, it was a lot of the making for a couple of those guys, Wynum and um, Blanchard kind of stepped out of the, the, the lower shadows. Uh, Rick Flair was, al was, only a big was already a big star. Would you say he was the de facto leader of that stable or were they all like four equals? No, a breakout star doesn't make him the leader though. Well, well, you say breakout star, he was already a star well, I before that. I say de facto leader because there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't a clear cut one. But if you think, if, who's the guy you, you think of first when you say that stable's name? That's only because he's the most famous. That doesn't mean he was the leader of the stable. But what I would say was, you're right in that obviously the guy with the most prestige is technically the leader of the stable. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you look at a team like. Legacy. Legacy, Orton, obviously. Yeah, or that's why Orton was the sort of focal point with that because he had. Well, he didn't just have Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase by his side. Yeah. Uh, he also had uh, some sort of a uh, couple of other second, third generation guys like Sim Snuka and Manu as well. It's not like you look at the Wyatt family and don't think of Bray Wyatt, like because it's the Wyatt family. Yeah, of course. And the other two are called and Harper and Rowan. Of course. Well, and uh, Strowman when he was part of the Wyatt and Strowman, family. yeah, of course. he was still going there. Rawr. Yeah, but I did, I did love the Wyatt family at their peak. Not gonna lie. I, I think the thing to many people moving forward since the, 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 the Horseman was they had that kind of one guy who was kind of he stood out and the rest of them were all the, the workhorses behind them. Uh -huh. It's a successful formula that we've seen in many other stables. Funnily enough most of, a lot of them involving Rick Flair in some sort of capacity. We're, we're talking about the one who's most well known similarly in WWE especially as Evolution. Yep. which came about in the early noughties. Uh, obviously Ric Flair was part of that group, but Ric Flair was kind of like the, the old horse, to say in that one, and they had kind of... The, the mentor, kind of. The kind of the mentor, that was kind of the thing, and his sub subsequent stables that kind of came about, you had Flair as a mentor, mm. you had the one who was positioned as a star, and you had a couple of younger workhorses round about them. Yeah, it was, that, that sort of... I think the theme of the evolution name sort of ties in very well, because it represents the progress of past to present to future like you had obviously Ric Flair represents greatness of the past then you had at the time Triple H who was the present world champion and then you, like you said you had the future workhorses in Randy Orton and Batista mm -hmm. so you had that kind of, and you kind of thought it was there was kind of something similar in the horseman where you had Flair was like you didn't really have the mentor but you had kind of the manager and Dylan mm -hmm. 
and you had Flair who was the kind of the main star and you had the work crosses around them Anderson and Blanchard who obviously the break well, they were the brainbusters tag team. Obviously, uh, if you talked about the revival earlier on, the revival are kind of a new version of the brainbusters type of thing in the way they kind of that physical style and very, sort of t- very high, high quality technical wrestling. You know, classic mat based style, nothing fancy. Yeah. No clips, just first. Which, which, if I can say anything, now they're on the main roster, I don't think it's going to serve them well. And as soon as they're back, I expect a burial very quickly. They've just had a burial for the revival. They've just That's had, what's happening. They've just had a stroke of bad luck. I think, you know, once they get past the whole injury hiccup, I think there's oh, no, of, of back. course, but when you keep someone at Lane Night for that long, especially an NXT call-up, when they get back, I think they're going to be overshadowed by whatever angle's going to be going. And if there's a tag team already quite hot, like, you know, the Usos of the New Day, there's a really good chance they're going to be fed to them. In all fairness, though, the revivals on Raw was Usos and New Day are on SmackDown. Well, of course, but, like, I mean, talking about tag teams that are hot, I mean, I don't look at the the... Raw tag team and really see like a big hot tag scene I see a main event scene because you've got Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, Sheamus and Sarah all teaming in this big uh, headline match and you know, obviously you got like Braun Strowman, uh, sorry not Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar holding the title which to be honest to me is great but takes it out of the lane a little bit and uh, what you're actually having here is this stable versus stable fight is the main event of Raw and Raw pay-per-views which is what's going to happen well, that is, a, that is arguably the, that is the main event, that, that stable coming for there. But you, you make a fair point on that one. But before we start digressing on that one, obviously, you look at Evolution as kind of a a Europe version of the time of uh, the Horsemen, and it was arguably well, it was very successful in doing what it tended to do. Triple H led it. He was multiple champions, and it got Batista and Randy over as new stars. Uh, there's there's other kind of incarnation of the horsemen that's maybe not had the same level of success. The one I'm kind of thinking of is if you look at TNA and Pit Wrestling, whatever it's called now, Global and you look at Global Force Wrestling, whatever it's called nowadays, I think it's back to T- Impact Wrestling. Uh, so they it's had called Jeff Jarrett's Power Slam Man. No, Jeff Jarrett's. Power 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 he's not part of it anymore. He's not part of it anymore. But um, the stable I'm referring to is uh, Fortune. Fortune, aye. Who, um, obviously, that well known, I remember, but they kind of had a similar type of method to what the horseman had. You had Flair was the Flair was the old horse obviously and then again obviously he had he probably shouldn't have got as physical as he had but that's a different conversation altogether. You had the one who was positioned at the star as the star of AJ Styles and you had the kind of young you had the younger workforce type ones of Bobby Roode and James Storm with Frankie Kazarian. Oh no it wasn't Boris they were they beer were money. beer they were beer money. Beer money Inc. Yeah so mm-hmm. yes, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was beer money incorporated then Frankie Kazarian. And later uh, Christopher Daniels was added in there mm-hmm. but that was at the point where the group were starting to fade away, they were kind of a less, I'd kind of say they were a less successful version of that type of hor- the horseman idea. I don't know if you agree with that one. I would say the least successful horseman, I'm doing air quotes obviously, but the least successful incarnation of that is probably the four horsewomen, which was essentially this idea of a loose kind of club of what? high-ranking... NXT women stars. Well, I would th- say not like they were ever really a stable. Not like they really ever did anything. Just, just meant that sometimes at the end of the matches they would come in and congratulate each other. Didn't like it. Pretty shoehorned, well, and I think it only came about because of Charlotte's association with Ric Flair. When you talk about the horse, when you talk about the horse women, who really are the four horse women? Is it them, or is it the ones in UFC? The UFC, Rosie and Co. You know, this is a wrestling podcast. I don't know why we're talking about UFC, but you know, well, who are, well they, it could be a wrestling thing I think, going I mean, forward. You know, obviously Rosie's going to appear at UFC at some point. Uh, sorry, WWE at some point. 
I, I'd say that's pretty much a given. Like I said, but not as an actual competitor, just a uh, I mean, uh, WrestleMania one-off. I'd say. Hashtag WrestleMania one-off, definitely. But yeah, yeah. You, like Floyd Mayweather's done a one-off mania. And so, so, did, Donald, so did Donald Trump. Like, why, not, why can't Ronda Rousey? Anyone can do it. It's fine. Anyway, so you say the horsewoman is probably the worst incarnation. Yeah. Well, David, do you agree? Disagree? Uh, agree and disagree because. Well, the, I disagree because the fact is they weren't really an established stable in front of the camera of WWE. They were sort of more like a... Um, That's the issue I took with it. It's almost kayfabe busting. When, like, I remember the, yeah, there, was a, there was a very... Like curtain calling br- it. It was a very brutal feud. It was the, it was the curtain calling thing. It was a very brutal feud, I remember. I think it was Sasha Banks and Bailey. Bailey. Yeah. And then, you know, Bailey wins and all of a sudden uh, Becky Lynch... And uh, so, Charlotte right. come out, and you know they're all hugging. And I'm like, eh, I kind of like kayfabe, to be honest. Keeps me invested, keeps me involved, at least. I like to see the storylines develop, and to have Sasha like sort of shrug her shoulders and be like, yeah, I'll raise her hand. I don't like it. If you're gonna be having those four together, do something with them. Don't just have them congratulate each other at the end of the match. It feels feels weak. I mean, can you imagine Evolution if they were just these guys who like kind of liked each other? It's sort of a DX thing, kind of, in that some of the stages of DX, they didn't really operate as a stable, they just kind of came out and lifted each other's hands at the end of matches. I think the problem with women's stables is the fact just there's just not enough numbers to yeah. offset, really, because if you put four women together, that's a huge chunk of the women's roster uh, put to one side to be boosted as a as a stable. You'd have to really realistically combine the main roster's women's division with the NXT women's division to get in more than enough numbers to have good quality matches elsewhere but still have that uh, four horse women stable as uh, the top tier so I, I think it's just purely a case of uh, lack of numbers in the women's division that's not made it happen as it were moving on again for obviously from the, the horsemen side of thing obviously we've, we've talked there the horsemen were great but the thing about stables was they weren't really cool at that point in time there wasn't really many big ones going about I mean, arguably, they didn't become cool until we got these guys on the scene. It's the NWO. The NWO, exactly. We can have some fun with these fusions. Probably the most <laughs> iconic stable of wrestling, arguably. Well, that, you know, it went on a bit too long. Well, that's obviously the debate, because obviously the, the thing about the NWO, is, as I said, is the stables weren't really, well, there was a argument in general wrestling wasn't really cool until these guys came in. I mean, obviously we had Hall, Nash, Hogan, all guys who defected from WWE. Yeah. Obviously not defected, but they came from the WWE. They had that way about them and they came in, they just beat up whoever they want, and whoever they want. It was cool. And to start with, obviously, as James was saying there, it started off brilliantly for that amount of time. And it kind of led to this whole thing that stables could be cool. We didn't really just need to have these guys who were just great technical wrestlers. We could have guys who did whatever they wanted. And the NWO were the first example of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was a bit sad that they became this sort of like bloated imitation of what they used to be. And, you know, you see that a little bit, I would say, maybe controversial, I'm not sure, but like uh, Bullet Club in uh, New Japan could do with being a bit smaller. There's a lot of names that get lost in the shuffle over there. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think a stable should never grow too big. 
Otherwise, you've got your clear sort of like almost like hierarchy, which is fine, but you shouldn't have four or five guys at the bottom. You should have one or two. Like you're kind of Spike Dudleys and you're kind of like... Wow. No, I mean, I'm not... I mean, wow. I'm, not, I'm not bashing Spike Dudley. I'm just saying I'd rather take him on than Devon or Bubba. That was kind of the, the issue, as you say, with the NWO. I think they got to a point where everybody and anybody started going in NWO. To the point that we got NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack. What, what was the max? What was the max? Uh, what was the max actually inclusiveness? What, what was the max number of people in the NWO? It was above At 20 least. almost. It was massive. It was a point where you had Huge. literally everybody. And it wasn't even like... Was most of WCW? It got to a point where you had so many of the lower card. I mean, yeah. it started off Hall of Nash Hogan, DiBiase joined, we got the giant, or was now known as Big Show. Oh, Bischoff joined. Bischoff. Well, Bischoff wasn't that bad, I think, because yeah, Bischoff, Bischoff joined and kind of got that way that they they were in with the hierarchy, that they could literally do what they wanted. You know, and for storyline purposes, it was great. No, no, see, that's the thing, though. I think... Um, People are saying Eric Bischoff actually started the downfall of the NWO because I think for an effective, rebellious stable to work, they should have control over authority, not necessarily meaning having authority join them. It's kind of like, I'd like to describe it to the situation that happened with the craze in London. You know, they were the most notorious crime gang in the East End of London for years. And, you know, they didn't have the authorities join them. You know, they had so much influence over the authorities that they would just let them get on with it. I know, think they run, they ran the system. I and think I think that's kind of what led to the NWO's downfall. There's, there's, there's some names on this NWO list that you would not have think were actually on the NW, in the NWO. You had Michael Wall Street, otherwise known as IRS. IRS oh, you had, uh, Bray Wyatt's dad. Yep, yep. You had Big Bubba Rogers, also known as the Big Boss Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dennis Rodman was in it. A lot of people knew about Rodman in it. Was he a basketball player? Yeah, yeah. basketball player. Yeah, okay. um, Dusty Rhodes was in it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how many people the NWO actually had. It's every, it was just a... Everybody and everybody was going part off, of it at some point. Going off your point earlier, I don't think Bishop joining them... Bishop joining them was like... Bishop, sorry. Was like this sort of like authority joining them. I think it was more of this sort of idea of if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, and that's, that's, it's good for someone to I think turn a heel and throw their lot in with them, like Daniel Bryan joining the Wyatts, also again, Orton joining the Wyatts, you know, this sort of stage where, you know what, it's gone too far, I might as well be on the winning team, which I think was okay with Bischoff, but, I think but they grew bloated. And problem, I think the problem was, though, you needed a face authority figure to go against still, even when you had one face authority figure joining them, because that's one heel turn, but then it created room for maybe an even higher up authority figure to bring in maybe new talent to fight against them. I sort of don't like this idea of faces always needing a big face to turn because as we're seeing in WWE right now you're actually running out of big faces you could look at the WWE roster and look at the big players most of them are either heels or in between there's not a lot of out and out faces and it's uh, to me it's leading for a problem where you're watching it and you're kind of having to suspend your disbelief and it's like well why are they fighting it's not like everyone can fight just for gold well it's like the, it's the, the face heel dynamic isn't really there anymore you know it's, yeah. it's sort of in a grey area which is present in stables which is good the, the, well I think that, I think that's quite clever because it appeal it's a more adult theme to it you know it's not clear cut I disagree I disagree no it's like just two different points of view each with its own pros and cons and each side is debating like which is better you know it's kind of like politics you know there's no really heroes and villains it's just two people with 
two different points of view. I mean, obviously we can go on all day about this, find that they're in NW, but they were a, in the original point they were great, and the advantage we kind of look back on NW in history is we may not have got a lot of the stables that came in the years coming after it mm. without the NWO. I mean, the best example, obviously we talked about them earlier on, is D-Generation X. Yep. I mean, would there have been a D-Generation X without an NWO? I don't think we'd have a, a D-Generation X talk without the NWO because remember, at this time, like sort of the mid to late 90s and stuff, this was the, the peak of the Monday Night Wars where WWE was competing with WCW. Mm. So they needed, WWE needed a, a top stable as well to combat them. And I think DX probably ticked all the boxes for the Attitude Era, big time. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about DX a wee, bit, a wee bit there before we go on to a few other ones, but mm. was DX has had a similar one that's had various incarnations in some way or another. At what point would you have said that DX were probably at the best, at the peak of the pivot, per se? Probably... Original DX. Yeah, ah, yeah probably. Triple H, HBK. Yeah. We talk about that. The original, the two of them, the original, yeah. I mean, these promos, at least for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, uh, there's a promo that I don't even know if we're allowed to talk about, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like a, a public service announcement involving a, a lot of swearing. Is that the oh no 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 no! I'm talking about. Are you talking uh, about the funny one? I'm talking about the Mizark one. The Mizark. Was in uh, I know. No. I can't really remember. I, 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 I thought you were okay. talking about the Sunny one. Uh, well, the, basically, they, the all come out, they, they all come out impersonating different wrestlers. One of them is dressed oh, like a Oh, that's the nation. That was that was. That was mocking they're the mocking the nation as that well. It was a nation, yeah. I mean, their skits before that were way clever, much more clever. And eventually, they sort of had to go down this baseline comedy route. But I liked, I liked. I liked them in their original incarnation. Uh, I liked how they came together organically when it was just sort of Triple H and China. China was his bodyguard, I think. Yeah. And uh, him and HBK were palling around a little bit. Like, obviously, yeah, well, then all of a sudden it was just sort of this, like, snowballing into the making their own sort of stable. DX did good for China as well, because, you know, established her as the top woman. Well, well, I mean, she was already kind of pushed as... Uh, any big woman in the WWE is always pushed as this sort of like, look at this freak of nature, oh my god, like she's gonna, all that sort of thing. So I don't know if that cemented her, but... First woman to hold, that's the only woman to hold the Intercontinental Championship. How's that for uh, this is an establishment? Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously you're kind of, we talked about DX and we, you talked obviously about that problem with the nation. I mean, the good thing obviously, from a WWE's perspective, is obviously the NWO led to DX, but... DX and then the NWO obviously led to either this, a lot of the stables that were there feeling a bit more fresh or a lot of ones that you maybe would not have seen without that type of, I mean the NWO or DX I think kind of helped with the attitude there, but you wouldn't have seen a lot of the stables there. I mean two of the ones that were there in a, in a way but didn't feel as good as they were until this point were the Hart Foundation and the Nation as we talked about. I mean the Nation kind of started off as this whole militant thing and then The Rock came into the Nation they came across a lot more, they were quite comedy type people, type way. The, the Rock had that cockiness and he had D'Lo and Henry and Farouk. Was that, was that straight after his Rocky Maivia stint? Well, it was Rocky Maivia and then he joined the nation. Yeah. And kind of the nation kind of saved Rock's career. Rock probably wouldn't be where he was if he, had ne- if he never went to the nation. Rocky Maivia feels like 
uh, back then he felt like ro- what Roman Reigns is today. Yeah, that's kind of ah. a lot. There are some comparisons in that way. Yeah, about. No, he's been the, the goodie the, shows. Roman Reigns didn't get a lot of die Roman die chance. He's got a lot of. He did, he did get a lot, of, a lot uh, of booze. He got delete. He got go away. Delete, got, del- delete, um, delete's very smarky. Go away is quite bad, I would say. Yeah. But but Roman Reigns was not as hated a figure as Rocky Maivia. Not not ever, except for maybe when the anticipated Royal Rumble and then Wrestlemania win which was obviously disappointing for a lot of people well you forget but when he beat Undertaker as well I think that's the most I've seen anybody get I don't know I, I liked it actually mm-hmm. so, so the nation was kind of that way the nation you wouldn't have had that type of a lot more comic type style you wouldn't have had that entertaining feud well, yes it was elimination you had like what, Ron Simmons you had Mark Henry Owen Hart was in it wait Owen Hart was in the nation Owen Hart was in the nation yeah that was quite a big thing, you know. So, um, and then you also there was a heart, the heart foundation. After, there was a heart foundation as well around about that time. And the heart foundation were a tag team in the early nineties. Uh-huh. And when Bret Hart turned heel, the heart foundation became a heel stable. And they kind of had the feud with uh, DX. It wasn't really a full-on feud, but they had that kind of one when, when Hart and Michaels were having that match at Survivor Series. Mm. So. You wouldn't have had that type of heel heart foundation as well. There's a few other kind of stables who you wouldn't have had. Godfather, thank you. We've been told Godfather was in the stable as well. Thank you for that input. Ah, Godfather. <laughs> when it was called, uh, oh, was it? Cameron Mustafa. I was like, I can't remember exactly what the name was. But we also had a few kind of heel, uh, say heel stables that kind of developed around about this time that you may have not seen without the NWO. A couple of the ones I'm kind of thinking of the Brood. The Brood, I. The Ministry. The corporate ministry. Well, corporate ministry. Yeah, obviously. Oh, the corporation. Well, not the corporate ministry. We'll go with just. You also, had, you also had terrible ones like the union. Well, we'll go in it. We'll, we'll talk about them a bit later on. I've got, a, I've got, I've got some ones in store. Don't worry. That's gonna be a treat later on in the show. But would you have seen the ministry without the NWO? Type thing? I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think they single-handedly brought back stables as an idea. I think they, like you said, I think they made them cool. But I think it more made the uh, whole villainous, take no prisoners, smack talking, trash talking. Was it whatever ends on where he says Luke Skytalker, smack talker, that sort of thing. I think they made that cool again. That sort of like attitude. They made that cool. I don't know if they made stables cool. Mm. I think again, pack mentality. I think that's what helps helps that bit. You know, you get. Uh, a sort of de facto leader and you get your followers behind you that's kind of what the ministry was you know it's like gang again gang warfare was, was that the only one as a child who was scared of the ministry uh, <laughs> I don't I don't remember the ministry I'm pretty sure the ministry was terrified see between January and April in 1999 yeah I don't remember Taker was Absolutely scary. That was a point. Was this was this the Taker that put Steve Austin on a cross? Yes. There we go. That was that was Taker. Oh yeah, Taker looked terrifying back then. I think um, personally, I think stables gravitate naturally towards a heel environment, where if anything, if you think about it, ganging up with your pals to achieve your goals is a heel thing. It's almost cowardice. You know and that's why I think there's many more successful heel stables than face stables. You know what, I actually agree with you. Now that I'm thinking of, of the uh, some of the more recent stables, like, you know, those with at least three plus members, all of them basically started out as heels. Well, well most of them anyway. they started out as, like, really ineffectual heels. It's not like they were bad. They, well, just they were technically booked as heels, but, yeah. you know, they're just annoying heels. Not like, um... 
no monster heals or dis deceptive heals. Yeah, I think I think I think uh, stables do tend to start as heals, or at least eventually transform into them to be successful. Mm. I mean, normally. Was there any sort of stables that started out as face stables? Come to mm. think of it. Question. It depends when you think. What was the? There was a Shane McMahon when he was feuding against his dad. So who were the Union against? Because I believe there was the Union were against the corporate ministry. Right. So one of them was meant to be face. That was the Union. Except people hated the Union. Because people hated the people. Were stupid. Well, you look at the people in it. I mean, you had Big Show, Mankind, Shamrock, and Test. Yeah. So I mean, who have you got there that's actually great? Oh, not ma mankind. Mankind, mankind yeah. yeah. But mankind, I kind of see your point because mankind was kind of, but mankind, mankind kind of went through his phase, but it wasn't really that. It was the stupid type of phase before he became appreciated greatly. I mean, is it, is shows, shows went on. Is it before Rock and Salt connection? Or before Rock and Salt yeah, connection. Before, before he actually was great. Before Rock and Salt, and after they won the world title for yeah. the first time. Um, so that, the union were terrible. Though. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good one. As so well. I think we have it. I think we have this issue of you got a heel stable and everyone's like, oh, they're so cool. Look at these guys ganging up and like kicking and then taking names and you know like that sort of thing but when you try and book faces against them it just sort of seems a sort of like really weak attempt to get the sort of like side against them I think normally you just needed like a bunch of random guys thrown together face guys thrown together to sort of act as a yeah as a, a group enemy it was never organic it was always a, just a thrown together thing I mean you're seeing the same thing now nowadays with a uh, Miz Braun Strowman the and Jameis and Cesaro or just the Miz in general I like I liked it. Uh, the Miz concept is essentially what is it? It's the Miz Hollywood Lester and then he takes two jobbers and makes them as makes them great. Uh, again. Groupie, well, not groupies. That's not the right word. It's bodyguards. Bodyguards, yeah, like as uh, his toughs, and that's not that's not something that's ever like, gone wrong. It's a popular concept. Same way. Uh, it saves. It can save. Uh, you know, a stable can actually save guys who are not really doing much. Let's see. We'll, we'll talk about kind of the the ones that are kind of going about at the moment later on in the show, but. As I say, we'll go back to that type of... We'll go back to the... Obviously, the NWO is quite good because it goes into different angles. Uh, we did have NWO spin-offs as well. Actual yeah. properly spin-offs. The two ones... One of our listeners has actually mentioned them to, to ourselves here. Uh, in ECW, the Blue World Order. Oh, oh the Blue World Order. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. They were... Oh, they were annoying. You don't like the Blue World Order. I just remember seeing them face the Mexicans at the Great American Bash, and I thought, what are these guys doing? This is just... Well, that was, that was when they came into WWE, but when they were in ECW in the, in the mid-90s, they were absolutely hilarious at the time. Because I, don't know, I don't see anything wrong with a comedy cash-in on a popular name. Don't see anything wrong with it. And you had a, yes, a less type of comedy version in WCW, which yeah. we talked about last week, briefly when we talked about the Guerrero Latino World Order. Latino World Order, yeah. Yep. So many World Orders around. There was even different incarnations in the NWO. There was a version in New Japan. Excellent. As well, which was kind of... There was obviously the WWE version of the NWO, which flopped spectacularly compared to the WCW version, and who was, who was surprised? Pretty sure HBK was a part of that um, revitalised WWE NWO. And he super kicked the face off of Booker T. Oh. <laughs> that was a heck of a super kick. That one at all. Uh, but there's obviously the spin-offs when you talked about as well. We'll talk about these guys in a bit more detail when we talk about the full film. You talked about the Bullet Club as well. Mm. I mean, the Bullet Club are kind of like a spin-off of the NWO in a way. 
because no. they have that type of run against the authority type guys. It's not it's not a run against the authority, it's when you get these really regional promotions, New Japan, uh, Lucha Underground, places like that, it can be seen as obviously the Bullet Club originally were like these, uh, obviously the word Gaijin, which means like foreigner, they were these guys who were coming against the, uh, the current champions who were always held as like these sort of like thoroughbred great Japanese wrestlers. And obviously, it was this insulting way that they would all team up and like propel one of them to greatness and feud against one of the big guys. And uh, it was started by uh, Fergal Devitt, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it probably a Fergal Devitt. he was Prince Devitt over there. But like you know, he he started it, and then he got AJ, and then you got wait, it was it was it was Fergal. And I mean, then the original incarnation was Devitt, Carl Anderson, Carl Anderson, uh, Tamatonga, and uh, the guy whose name I can't remember. Oh, what's his name? Wasn't Bad Luck Fally. Bad Luck Fally. He's still, he's still in it to this day. So is Tamatonga. Tamatonga's still in it. Yeah. Um, obviously, Gallows and Anderson would still be there if they hadn't jumped ship, which yeah. obviously isn't treating them well. But back to the point. Um, no, no, I mean, they get these sort of like the, the attitude of these guys being against not the authority, but almost the kind of angle you see with Jinder Mahal. Where it's a kind of they're attacking our prestige and our wrestling, well, which was the idea. They were always portrayed as yeah. these dishonourable heels. Well, they certainly and still remember uh, the WWE titles prestige. I'll tell you that much. I mean, yeah, and but not Jinder Mahal. I don't have any. I don't really have any beef with them. But I'm saying that you can see the picture of the Bullet Club essentially being the the foreigner heels coming together to take control in a place where. The home, the home ground, the homegrown talent is obviously the best. It's a diamond version. Yeah, well, it's exactly the bullet. The base, and obviously the bullet club tried to their their own. Well, they did Raw Invasion, didn't they? Spooky. Was got someone sacked? I believe. Oh yeah. Oh, and Jimmy Jacobs Raw recently, yeah. yeah. And it got so Jimmy Jacobs got sacked. Jimmy Jacobs sacked. So he took a fault with him. So we'll talk. We'll talk about the Bullet Club a bit more later on when we actually go through the whole thing. But I'm going to kind of round off this section when we talk about the NWO and kind of ask the question. Did the NWO save stables in wrestling? James, you kind of talked about it earlier on. David, you, what's your opinion on this one? Did the NWO save stables? I think if there wasn't NWO, we'd still get them. Honestly, it's an interesting subject. NWO were the benchmark for stables today. You know, they sort of broke off in different directions, and I think they sort of set, well, for lack of a better phrase, the bar for. Uh, hey. Yep, James says that, right? They set the bar for what uh, a top stable, top stable should behave like. Although it did have, I mean, as with most stables, you know, nothing good lasts forever. So, and they had their eventual downfall. But um, for what it was worth, I don't think wrestling would be on the map or where it is today without the NWO. See, I would, ag- I would disagree with my own point that if they hadn't came about, something else would have came about, and stables would still be a thing. But I would agree with the point that they are the ones who. Someone had helped put, the put wrestling on the map, and they did that. So Most successful T-shirt of all time sold, isn't it? The NWO I one. So, yeah, yeah, I believe so. That or Austin Two Sixteen. I'm not sure which, but it's one of those two. So yeah. So there we have that. That is the first half of our debate today. We're going to take a couple of minutes to let the voices recharge and talk even more about stables, where we will talk about the late '90s, early '90s boom that we saw after DX and NWO, and we're also going to talk about. The ones who are about now, the likes of the guys in WWE and the UK. But while we take a wee break, I thought we would play a wee thing saying, what happens when some of the best stables you in the world get together? Well, they ain't shine is coming, baby. Nice I had to go do this live stream with Chris Danker. I just yeah, okay, okay. okay. That episode was hot too. It really, really was. But okay, like we were talking about earlier, it looks like Sheamus and Cesaro are actually 
getting on the same page. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy, man. These two guys, they're, they're really starting to, to gel. Mm. Who would have thought? I mean, gosh, like, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been feeling kind of just different, you know? Mm. Ever since we broke the record of McCain, the longest reigning, WWE World Tag Team Champions. Mm. Ah, yes, uh, brothers. I feel a power coursing through my veins, and, and not just the power of positivity, oh no, oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. but the power of history. Okay. And when it's all said and done, your boys might just go down as the greatest and most elite team of all time. Okay, okay. <laughs> Is that so? Nice little run you boys got with the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. But this is what a real championship looks like. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about greatness, well boys, here it is. That's right. Because we're not like you three nerds. <laughs> we're all about being mean and making green. Oh, We've dominated all over the entire world. From the sponsor parties with Shigi-san oh, so in Osaka, Japan. All the way to Ontario, Canada, man. That's and they've do. done it with the phenomenal one. Yeah. If we're talking about the greatest groups, well, this conversation starts and ends with the club. Yeah. Throw it up. Throw it up. <laughs> Throw it up. Throw it up. <laughs> Take it down. Don't Take it down. Do you need to invent that? What are they looking at? What are they staring at? Wait a minute. Did, did I just hear you say you're the greatest team of all time? <laughs> you believe that? Nah. You're <laughs> <laughs> the team. And we're back. We just had that clip from last year's Tribute of the Troops where we had New Day, The Shield and The Club all together in the one room. Mind blowing. Right, uh, we've just had obviously that wee intro back in. You've done well with a few things so far. Could you, do you remember this one? Yeah. Yeah. I can't uh, As soon as you say it, I'll go like, oh, that's it. Yeah, it's like, I feel like I've heard it, but I can't, uh, was it the Von Erics? No. <laughs> no, no, Main Street Posse. Main Street Posse. Thank you to our exec producer there, Quacku, for correctly guessing it, even though you can see the screen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the Main Street Posse, so I thought that uh, playing the Posse theme tune would bring us into our next subject of this, this week's show, which was the late 90s, early noughties boom that we seemed to have, or stables around about that time. Now, when I was doing my research for this show, I found that there were so many, actually, stables about. Not really big stables like some of your NW and your DXs, but big ones that came about after that point in time. So I thought it would be a good chance, because we've had a few listeners talk about some of the stables that we've kind of talked about. So I think it would be good to actually go through some of the ones, not even from WWE, from even from WCW as well, and see how much you remember of these stables. The only one I probably know is... NWO, I can't, I really couldn't pick 
any, any other stables. Oh, that should be fine. That should be fine. Right, let's start with the guys who we just played. We just played there, the posse. The street posse. Hi. I think that's definitely heard the name. What was your thoughts on the posse? <laughs> um, I think they probably. I think they were underutilized. You think the posse were underutilized? Yeah, I think. I would <laughs> Please explain to me why you thought the posse, the Mean Street posse, were underutilized. I would love to hear that. Well, I think they just could have. I think they could have had like an overall bigger impact. Like we don't talk to that. We don't talk about them as much as like, you know, some of the bigger stables. But I feel maybe there was potential. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. That's fair enough. Let's actually refresh my mind. Who was in the Mean Street posse? We had Heat Gas, Rodney, and Julia. The, what? the friends Sunshine Troubles the fr- <laughs> They were essentially They were meant to be Shane's friends from Greenwich They were the ones that came out with the sweater vests They came out with a, They were pretty much They were part of the corporation But they were You were right in saying they were jobbers I think they held a good few hardcore titles during the 24-7 Who didn't though? Hold hardcore title Like Jake Rodney who hasn't got one under their belt Oh, sorry. Put the belt under the belt. Roman Reigns just rolls and pumping them. I mean, that's too recent, too recent, too recent. You know, what I mean? like we didn't touch that title. Like I know it was. It, it went about something extra. We got around. Speaking of job, speaking of speaking of jobbers, that brings that brings me on to my next one. The job squad. The job squad. Al Snow's faction was it not? Indeed, it was. We had excellent Al Snow, the Blue Meanie, mm-hmm. Bob Holly, Scorpio. I was his true cold Scorpio. Too cold Scorpio. And. Goldberg. <laughs> that did. You were saying about the NWO shirts being the most selling of all time. Mm. The Job Squad had the parody shirts, kind of like the NWO, which were absolutely great. Road Dog wore it quite. A, Road Dog wore it the row after WrestleMania, the year they were about before the same before they joined DX. So I like a comedy stable. I got a lot. There's something so endearing about it that you get all these mis- misfits together and. You know, uh, uh, as an individual, they're weak, but together they form a mighty unit. I mean, not very mighty, <laughs> but at least Al Snow, you know, he won a couple of titles, I think. Well, Hardcore Holly. Well, eventually, that's not bad, you know. So Brock yeah. Lesnar sandbagged them. Which is hilarious. Oh, that was so bad. The sandbagging is when you don't sell a tower. Sorry, sorry. I think you sorry, Bob Holly sandbagged him, and, and then Brock Lesnar dumped him on his head. Yeah, Lesnar. By accident, apparently. No, not 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 to throw any like shade out there, but apparently it was an accident. and Brock Lesnar was very apologetic about the whole thing. Now we talk about disclaimer. You obviously say job score a, a comedy one, and yeah, that was great. But another comedy one that we talked. I talked. I mean, I mentioned it earlier in the show when I was referring to David. We have Kai and Tai. Oh yes, Kai and Tai. People don't really remember that Kai and Tai were a stable before it became the point it was just Taka and Funaki. I think I only remember them for the line. Uh, was it choppy, choppy your peepee? Yeah. The only thing I remember them for. I got saved by uh, excellent time shrinkage. I think that is the uh, only thing people remember the Kai and Tai stable for. It wasn't Mr. Fuji, wasn't the manager, was he? No, it Who was Yamashiki. 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 He's not a well known person in reality, but. For those who have never heard of I Choppy Choppy Pee Pee, uh, they were feeding with Carol Venus. So cup line. Oh wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so they were, they were feeding with Val. The mic was on. Oh no, I know. They were feeding Val Venus, who had that uh, obviously he was the porn star gimmick in the late nineties attitude era, and he, he was essentially sleeping with Yamaguchi's wife. So Yamaguchi, as revenge, said he was going to choppy choppy Val's pee pee, and there was the infant that scene at the end of Raw where they 
they got Balvin they tied him up backstage and what, a samurai <laughs> shot. They literally had a samurai shot. And it's that's gonna be it. I'm sure they ended raw. It was a black on that. It, yeah, it, I'm sure that ended raw that night. Uh, and I, I believe there was a blackout and the explanation was that shrinkage saved them. If anyone doesn't know what shrinkage is, it's when you, you know, you jump in the pool and you're very cold. So I believe that's why uh is still cutting about trying to make pornos of people's wives. But I don't know if he's still doing that, but you know. Well, it was his whole gimmick. Does that make him a heel though? If he sits in another guy's life? Yes! Yes! Well, well, you'd say that, but remember that Enzo tried to sleep with Lana repeatedly, and somehow Rusev was the heel. Same thing happened again. Roman Reigns crashed his, uh, his wedding reception. Yeah, but he wasn't right? trying to sleep with Lana, so... Well, really insulted his wife, at least. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was going more specific. Roman his, Roman Re- uh, Enzo Amori. He ruined his wedding reception, yet Ruru comes off as the bad guy. So how does that work? Can we say that Enzo Amori is the modern-day Val Venus? I wouldn't say that. I mean, we can't say that. David talked earlier on. There's lots of naked backstage, though. I mean, that's about as close as you can get. I mean, yeah. David talked earlier on about the lack of ever having female stables. We had one at this point in time, and it were called Pretty Mean Sisters. I don't know if you remember them. Oh, uh, refresh me. Yeah, that was that was the team of just Terry, of Terry Reynolds, Jacqueline, and the well-known Hall of Fame caliber female Ryan Shamrock. <laughs> Ryan Shamrock. <laughs> Oh, woman called Ryan. She was into Whoa. She was um, I, I I missed this bit of wrestling, genuinely. She was Ken Shamrock's on screen girlfriend. No, on screen girlfriend. Oh, on screen on screen sister. Right. Who was okay. probably most well remembered for being one of the people abducted by the ministry. Oh, they abducted a lot of people. They did. They did. Oh, they did. The other one around about that time, which I've been told by one of our viewers as a female statement, was Vince's Devils. Vince's Devils. Oh, that was at mid 2000s, I think. Yeah, that was that was Candice Michelle, Tori Wilson, and Victoria. Those aren't just backstage girlfriends. That was of yours, David. No, it was right. Okay. No, it was a very sort of. I thought maybe Vince was just being literal. No, it was just Vince was getting around. That's all I can say about that. That one. Going going back to comedy stables as well. We can't talk about comedy stables without talking about Tuco. Can I just say as well um, (laughs) before we do talk? Framing sisters don't um, like acronym that. <laughs> that that was the whole thing. Ah, uh, yeah, the old. Yeah, okay. That was the whole thing about the. Yeah, before they were on there, they were too cool. You can't, cool. can't talk about comedy stables without about too cool. But they were a comedy stable. I mean, the whole thing was them dancing with Rikishi, the Rikishi, the Rikishi joining and them dancing together. Uh, you know? But it was great. I mean, Rikishi, well, the there's nothing. Sorry, just to interject. There's nothing funny about watching Rikishi dance. So uh, <laughs> I disagree that it was a comedy stable. But obviously, in a serious note, they absolutely were. It was like Grand, they were Grandmaster Sexy and Scotty Too Hotty. Right? Scotty Too Hotty. Excellent. His, uh, I believe his son did the worm at an NXT show recently. Yes, yes, yes. With, the, with the Street Profits. Mm-hmm. So exactly. We had the, the another com- comedy stable <laughs> for us. Well, two tag man, but whatever tag team. Yeah. Let's let's time two. Yeah. Let's, let's move away from the WWE comedy stables here. Let's go on to a bit, a bit more a more serious stable. Right to censor. Ooh. Do you remember right to censor? Do you remember right to censor? Yeah, that Stephen Richards. They were well known for having the very very annoying entrance music, which I will bring up. That was Stephen Richards' one. Round about the time where everything was getting censored. Here's the theme music. Listen to 
do that for two hours without Doesn't sitting Doesn't that just make you want to stand up in your seat and cheer? But, he's sta stable, that's the point as well. Should, should annoying entrance music be part of a heel stable? Well, you hear it, it makes you want to boo? Yes. Well, the, thing, the thing about this book is they were obviously, they just went on sense. This is the point, to the point the attitude era was at its peak. And they were censoring all the things that was the nudity, all that type of thing that was going on. So it was Stephen Richards that led it. And he took on some very interesting stable mates. He had Bill Buchanan, who was yeah. a bodyguard with the boss man. Val Venus joined it. Was Victoria? He got around as it's not Ivory was on it. It was Ivory. Right. And they also had the Godfather. Charles. Also no, w w w as he became the Good Father. <laughs> he was, he was changed as this one. But they were a very, um, you just wanted to see them beat up, get beat up. And they eventually did at WrestleMania 17, where the Acolytes pretty much took them to pieces. Yeah. In a very short squash match. But they were a very serious stable. Talking again of serious stables, but good wrestlers. We talked about them briefly last week. The Radicals. Radicals, yeah. Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero. Mm -hmm. And Perry Saturn. And Perry Saturn. Let's not forget Perry Saturn. Uh, it's really sad to think of how that's gone in uh, the uh, present day. But they were they were great as a put. It kind of came across kind of like the opposite to the NWO. The guys were invading WWE kind of not yeah. the Floyd invasion. They were in the crowd. They were they were on WCW TV the week before, and they were in the front row. Absolutely about to kick ass. They were a great stable for the. They were a, sh a short-lived stable as well, though. To be fair, mm. so I don't think it should have lasted a bit longer. So they were kind of one of that one. We'll go to another one, and um, maybe a bit less known as well. People may not remember them the same. X Factor uh, before it became a TV show. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know this one. Remember X Factor? But this was the great stable, no, led by X Pac. Funnily enough, Excellent. and to his left was just incredible. To his right was. NXT head coach Albert, as he was known then. It's not surprising I don't remember him because like I don't remember a lot of X Pac. I think it's just a seam and like my mind goes blank. Yeah. But uh, I would remember anything. I don't have any comments. I don't have any comments on X Factor at all. I think it's. I think the, I think the fact that I don't have anything to comment on them shows how little impact they had. But that was so, that was some of the ones in WWE around about that time. Mm -hmm. We also had. Obviously, WCW was about at that point in time, and they had some very weird stables. I don't know if you know it. Could want to see if any of you remember these ones. The first one I talked was the Flock. Uh, Ravens, 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 Ravens Flock. Yeah. There we go. David looks so awful. Awesome. It's unreal. Yeah. Uh, that was Ravens stable. It was kind of like it felt kind of like that. You know, Raven is a character. Yeah, like, I know Raven. Yeah, yeah. and essentially a bunch of other characters like him. It was it was weird. It, it was it was a, it was kind of like Wyatt British. It was, it was Wyatt family before the Wyatt family, but not quite the same level the Wyatt family. But it had some they had some characters as well. They had Ca Chris Canyon was in uh, I mean Billy Who's better than Canyon? Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we also had um, Kidman was in that before he became Billy Kidman. Which was a bit Eddie Saddle as well was in that. You know. All right. Yeah. He also had relations with a mop. Stables at that point in time were just like tea parties in the 80s, like everyone was just like with everyone, you know? Speaking yeah, of, you weren't in a stable, you weren't cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking of it that, stables cool again. speaking of parties, the next one I'll talk about, Freak Out. Freak Out? Did, did, do you remember? Yeah. Nobody remembers Freak, freak Out. out. Freak, no, freak Out. Freak Out. Oh, Freak Out. I thought you were saying Freak Out. No, Freak no, Out were kind of like a, a pop 
And they just danced about. They danced the pop. And they, they, they sang their own they theme cheesy, They were cheesy pop group, weren't they? Do you know who was in that stable? Some of the names would be great to you. Oh, the first, I, I the do remember there was like a, some... I don't remember names, but I know exactly what well, I say names. The, fir- the first one was Evan Courageous, I've never heard of him. Yeah. He didn't do anything. The second one, Shannon Moore. Shannon, oh, Shannon Moore. And the final member, Sugar Shane Helms, otherwise known as The, the Hurricane. Wow. What a stable that was. They, are, they also managed to recruit Tank Abbott. Huh. <laughs> he was an M. David, you know this one? He was the MM. He was the guy that played the MMA fighter in Friends. That beat the. John Favreau? No, 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 no. The the guy that beat up John Favreau's character. Yeah. (laughs) That was Tank Abbott. Man. He was briefly in WCW towards the end. I don't think John Favreau was ever a wrestler, but you never know. He's got the build for it. Mm. Uh, Who was it who held the the gold belt again? Was it David Arquette? That takes me back. That's Friends days as well. Memories back. Friends days. Delete, delete. Why are we friends in wrestling? Why are they so connected? I don't get it. No idea. No idea. No idea. I mean, another one here I've got on my list to kind of be related about other friends Team Canada Team oh. Canada was that Landstar? Landstar uh, no is that not the French Connection whatever they called no that was Lava Resistance who? Lava Resistance oh ok Lava Resistance I thought that yeah because I remember the uh, I remember the French table I don't remember the Canadian one what were they called? Team Canada they were literally called Team, Team Canada. Canada. What did they... We, 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 you're right the first time, it was Landstorm. Oh, Landstorm, It was Landstorm. Uh, it was Landstorm. There was a lot of Canadians in the WCW version. There was a lot of American guys coming in. Ah. And working with that one. But you had guys like Jim Duggan was in it, Mike Orson was in it, you like Skipper was in it, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. They also became... We, we kind of got a team type of Canada feel and eventually in TNA. And then you got kind of one in, in WWE. Oh, the Heart Foundation? No, we're not talking about that. We had the Un-Americans. Um, yeah, it was like Christian Landstorm Test. Yeah, it was essentially the Cana- it was essentially Team Canada. All of it, they had one with Regal in it, so it was just an extra body and that. Was, but I love Team well, Canada. The Americans obviously because Regal's British, but you know, yeah, of course, you could you can call that Team Canada when Regal's a part of it. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. we also kind of had round about the early two thousand. WCW was going through that kind of two phase of wrestlers type thing. So they had uh, the Millionaires Club. And the U and the U Bloods. Ted, who's in the U? Who's in the U? Ted DiBiase, IRS. No. No, they were. They were money, money. Money. Sorry. Who was in the Millionaires Club? The Millionaires Club. Essentially, in the middle of two thousand, WCW thought they were going to try and revamp. So they had two separate kind of. It was kind of split in half. The U Blood, which was kind of like all the younger guys coming through, which was led by Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff. Right. The Millionaires Club was all the kind of older guys who were there. Uh, so uh, it was Ric Flair. Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, DDP, Sting, Sid Vicious, Lex Luger. Oh, how do I not know about this? <laughs> so there's a star-studded monster. That was a very bleak time in WCW. This is from 2000, uh-huh. the year before they went bust. This, this, is, this, this is the dark times. This was, they didn't really last long. No. It wasn't really a long-term stable. So that's kind of the thing you This was when their hair was falling out and the kids are asking them to change the will kind of stables. Like that's the, <laughs> that's that period of WCW return. Yeah, pretty much. But you think about these type of stables, there's a lot of ones in WCW as well. Which we've never heard of. You know, I've rattled through a bunch of ones here and you've never actually heard of them. That's the issue with stables, isn't it? Because either they were really amazing or they bunched together for a couple of weeks and died. Because that, that was that was what happened with a lot of stables. I mean, obviously, you say WCW died and then we got TNA. Mm. Now we're going to go through some of the ones in TNA. Mm. You think you'll do any better with TNA than with WCW? Oh, absolutely, absolutely not. not. I'll, I'll be fine with this. I'll start with the I'll start with the free live crew. The what? The free live crew. The three, no. Oh, jeez. Never heard of the three. Really, the really big one that I know of. The three live crew were kind of like, they were like, meant to be like a rap, hip-hop type band. 
thing kind of idea. R-Truth got part of that. As, um, Some star-studded names in the three live queue. R-Truth, or is it known them one challenge? Conan. Conan, no. And Barbarian? No, Conan. Conan. And B and and BG and BG James, otherwise known as the Red Dog. Oh wow! They eventually became the four light the four live crew at one point before they broke up, which included Tip James, known as Billy Gunn. God. The ass man. The ass man. They were very early TNA. Oh, so it's very hard to. It's very hard if you can't remember that one. I mean, we talked there about about Team Canada. We had the Team Canada incarnation in TNA. Did we? We did. Oh yeah. Some awesome names in this one as well. You'll know some of them. I'll start with the most obvious one, Pete Williams. Good <laughs> <laughs> thing you would have known that one. Yeah, uh, I'm the two blanks here. The two most well known ones from Team Canada and TNA was Bobby Wood. Oh, of course. Yeah. And Eric Young. And Eric Young, yep. Yeah. That, that was how that was their breakthrough as part of Team Canada. Mm. It's amazing for them. Is that where Young got his breakthrough, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting, because I've, I've always seen him as a... Before he was part of, um, what you call it, Sanity, Sanity. Also an amazing stable. Yeah. Uh, before he was part of Sanity later on, yeah. Of course, you know. Uh, but before we talk about like, any of that, like, Eric Young, I always thought he was a... Uh, had that sort of, like, psycho debut kind of character. I didn't know he actually did the... Team Canada thing as well. That's really interesting. No, he did that one as well, which, wow. was, which was really good, really good as well. Uh, we're talking very early TNA as well. Uh, Triple X. He's familiar with Triple X. That Triple H's grandson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also a film, a really bad film. Uh, Triple X took a great deal of, of using the Freebird rule. They used the Freebird rule. They were a trio. It was Christopher Daniels. Okay. He was like Skipper, who I kind of talked about earlier on. Maybe people don't know as much about him. No key. Oh, right. Were they all X Division competitors? The, is Loki still doing the Hitman gimmick now? Loki kind of goes between gimmicks. I think he's, uh, he's he, he, he comes back, goes away, comes back, goes away, comes back, goes away. Better know his gimmicks in WWE put together. Though. That one one he had, which was absolutely terrible. Oh, is it, is he really won NXT that year? I think uh, Michael Cole just absolutely blew the, the roof off the of kayfabe on him, like saying, oh, he's just popular because of internet <laughs> But that was the thing with, that was the thing, they were more like a tag team, but it was a trio. So this, they just had tag matches and utilised the Freebird rule and kind of walked that way, which kind of worked really well with Triple X. They were a great tag team, they had feuds with America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. They were Chris Harris and James Storm. Yeah. So they pulled the roof off it. Triple X contain. I don't know if you've ever seen the clip of Eli Skipper where he kind of balances on the triple on the six sided cage oh. and he does the Hurricane Runner. Right, yeah, I remember. That was Triple X. That wow. Bad. So that's the type of things you get with that. So that was a. They were a great stable early doors. Uh, we talked that you talked about Jeff Jarrett's hold over TNA. <laughs> he had his own stable. He was that was Planet Jarrett. Oh, Jeff Jarrett. That was him pretty much having that. Not a lot I can say about him except. Oh, but. What guy? Surely there's got to be one massive stable we haven't mentioned that were in, in TNA and it lasted for years. Was that a TNA Originals? No, it was uh, not TNA Originals. It was the Aces and Eights. Aces and Eights, of course! Aces and Eights are on my list, Steve. That was a beat me to the prep there. But so we'll talk about Aces and Eights next. Aces and Eights lasted a year and a half. Yeah, uh, again, one of those ones went on a bit too long, got a bit bloated by the end. Still great though. Mm. Still great. So, I'm not too sure about Aces and Eights. I was going to talk about Aces and Eights separate because it's a kind of bit of a topic for some people. A lot of people thought they were great, a lot of people thought they were rubbish. I thought they were rubbish. I thought they were great, but then became rubbish. Yeah, same kind of. I thought the whole, the whole thing about Bully, uh, the whole thing about Bully Ray becoming the leader was you know, quite he always done. was the leader. Yeah, but it was that. Was they it. just did it really. I didn't think it. I think they executed it poorly, but I liked the idea behind it. Or were we just too 
two, two smart fans for our own good. No, I, I'm, I'm fully willing to buy into kayfabe to accept a storyline. I would just say that it's a very common trope amongst TV and film. And let's not remember, wrestling at its heart is a drama. It's a soap opera. Well, yeah. But, you know, as it's serious, as it's comedy, it's much more than that. But when it comes to the drama bits, it's a very common trope to have someone be revealed as the leader of something, even though there's nothing that would indicate them being that as that time. It seemed like something that was shoehorned in, and it's very possible it was. Well, it sort of brings up the angle of the higher power. Yeah, who was the higher power oh, in the ministry, yeah. How did we forget to talk about the higher yeah, power when yeah. we talked about the ministry earlier on? Terrible, terrible reveal. The worst reveal I've ever seen in this. You get that? Yeah. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. That's the most memorable yeah. thing about that whole higher power thing. It's the because it was so bad. I mean, it was. It's great when you talk about it now, but the payoff is the so ones. bad. See, we could talk about that one all day, but we'll, we'll go through a couple of other these TNA ones before we move on as Aces well. Eights, yeah. We talked about Aces and Eights there. Another one who kind of divides opinion was the Immortal Stable. Uh, Immortal, I wasn't a huge fan of. I think it was just. I uh, thought it was very badly done. The, the issue they had is they, as a huge stable, Jeff Hardy, who at that point in time was univ- was mega popular yeah. as the the guy, the heel champion, the heel yeah. champion. Terrible decision, and obviously a few months later they had that issue with that match at Victory Road and Sting when he was absolutely high out his face. Yeah, that match only lasted ninety seconds as well. I mean, yeah. Some of the names in that stable were, were good as well, it just didn't work. You had obviously Jeff Hardy, Abyss, Abyss is in a lot of these ones by the way. Matt Hardy was in it at one point. Mm-hmm. Flair was in it. Bully Ray was in it towards the end. Well, Beer Money not in it as well. No, they were in Fortune. Right. They were affiliated with Fortune and they feuded with Fortune. So that's the type of thing you get with that. Uh, Talking about these big names, they also had the Main Event Mafia. Oh yeah, how, how could I forget Main Event Mafia? That was just uh, some of the names. On, some of the names on that were stellar. You had Sting, Kurt Angle, Kevin Nash, Booker T, Scott Steiner. Samoa Joe. Personally, don't rate Kevin Nash very highly. Yeah, but he was a very, it was a very. But he's a big name. He's a big name. You, you can know. say that. So that was a good. Oh, you know, you Steiner as well. That's just how you got the legend, the TNA Legends Championship involved yeah. as well. Booker T brought it in. No. We also the thing about we talked earlier again about female stables. Probably the best female stable in recent memory was in TNA. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, I think I know, but the name escapes me. The beautiful people. Beautiful people. That was it. That was yeah. it. I like I like the beautiful people. They were very nice. They were very nice. They were very nice. Nice young ladies. They were very nice and yeah, they were great, great stable. So if you listen to this, you kind of think you, you be, if you join at this point, you be like, Dave is just being Dave. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we had the beautiful people as well. Some other ones I've quickly got. One of the best stables in the TNA's history was LAX, Latino American Express. Hey, they're still about. They've become. They went back again. Oh, they come back. Yeah, and they come in skin combination. So they have them. The British Invasion as well. British Invasion. Magnus and... Magnus, Rob Terry and Doug Williams. Yeah. By the way, can't wait to see the British Invasion come back, which is almost definitely going to do. <laughs> not in that name, but you'd have to be foolish to think that there's not going to be a British stable in WWE. Alright, taking our immediate swerve turns into on the uh, sort of British angle here, why don't we talk about something that's happened a bit more recently? Uh, featuring Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. Talking about British yeah. Strong Style, of course. British Strong Style. Right, I was going to come to them later, but I'll quickly go into this. Dave has again stolen my life. <laughs> All the time. British Strong Style. You talk about this thing with Trent Seven on Twitter. 
Eh? We talk about that stuff with Gen 7 came up in the other day. Cold Leather Shield, essentially. Cold Leather Shield. I love how Dave says this thing about British Strong Style. The one thing everybody's known about British Strong Style when I was like, oh. Yeah, essentially. Um, about, about, about a few months ago, I remember, uh, in fact, about seven months ago, I remember standing at home talking to my flatmate Kyle and saying, there's no way the Shield aren't going to reform. It's going to be because they can't win matches and they're getting they're getting screwed over and then they'll come together in the locker room and they're going to do whatever, bump fists or whatever. And they, they did. And then I said, wouldn't it be great if they feuded with British Strong Style? As they should do. And to be honest, I would not be wrong to say that when they come and do their house shows uh, this year, I think they always come in November, doesn't yeah. it be? I would guarantee, I'd put money on it, uh, so going out live, I'd put money on it to say that they're definitely going to feud with them. They're gonna have a well. They're gonna have a match, a live, a live match at least, a dark match, the, whatever. Yeah, treat the UK crowd unbelievable. Yes, yeah. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. I'd love to see that. I think it'll be top class. Exactly. But uh, before I go on, before we start talking about the current stables, the one when I did, I was meant to talk about earlier on, but didn't get the chance because I had them in my notes later on. Uh, Nexus. Oh, ah, the, the Nexus. Nexus. <laughs> so much again. So yeah. much potential and just what a payoff. Flushed away because of. Cena. That's John. Cena wins, lol. Cena wins, you know, he's lol. got a win. Exactly but no, I think I think the Nexus again, another one that went on too long. You had the core. You had so many. Yeah, it's a shame that the Nexus we wouldn't have the core either. Oh, the core wasn't great in my opinion. I think it was just. The I think they held people back who already would have been succeeding if they hadn't been lumbered, uh, lumbered into a stable. If you hadn't, if they hadn't screwed up the Nexus angle, we probably wouldn't have had the core. Well, how long would the Nexus have went on for? They went on for... If they hadn't, screw, if they hadn't had screwed up that angle. That's I what I thought it could have lasted at least a year and a half. Barrett yeah. would have got the... Barrett probably would have become world champion. And then he would have disbanded them or been turned on or turned on Or he becomes like a crazy power-hungry tyrant and... I think it would have broken up fairly him. quickly. Mm-hmm. Right, so... The Nexus was kind of like... He had a good mixed match of characters as well. I mean... Was seven too many, or was seven just the right? The right I thought seven worked well. It should have been eight, but obviously there was Brian. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, Bryan got. If anyone doesn't know, Daniel Bryan got suspended or not fire, 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 fired yeah. for choking someone with their own tie, which was seen to be not PG. Aye. Therefore, the the network who were showing WWE said, "Got to fire that guy," and they did, of course. <laughs> so we've talked about them. Let's go full circle. We started off with the Shield. Now, but they're back. Cunt. Let's talk about the current stables that's about, which is where I would have talked about British Strong Style, David. (laughs) (laughs) Um, British Strong Style are fantastic. It's great to see a stable existing across so many different brands. They unofficially exist within WWE as we've They're under the UK division. Yeah, we've seen them sort of team up but also feed with each other in different promotions. In progress, they're together. They recently yeah. lost the tag team championships, I believe. Probably. Yes, they recently beat Tyler Bate for the UK championship. Yeah, yep. but and, uh, Trent Seven lost the ICW championship recently, but yes. you know, they've also all been in ICW matches as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they're across many different promotions, and it's great to see this team work so well together. And it's going to be such a shame when WWE don't get it right. Which they won't. WWE never gets it right. They're they're too biased towards their own. No, 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 no. You're you're wrong with that one. And the one I'm just saying they don't understand why they're good. Yeah, the one you're you're kind of wrong. They don't always get it wrong. And the next examples I'm going to give here is the New Day. Okay. Oh yeah. Let's talk about the New Day. Yeah. The New Day started off 
I actually remember the first time all three of those guys came together. I think it was Kofi and Big E were in a, a tag team match. They lost. Then Woods comes out and says he comes in like a quite a sharp suit with the shades on indoors and stuff. It was a preacher, I believe. Yeah, it, well, I don't think he was a preacher. I think it was more like. Uh, like, he was dressed like a mafia boss. He was like, no. it, was, it was a southern preacher god what angle. Was, he's like, what are we supposed to do? Like, we're going nowhere here. Let's join forces and really show what we're made of. And then next time they show up, they come out dancing, clapping, and yeah, um, like a gospel choir. That was like the whole. Choir, that was yeah. what it was about. And it was, but, but it was terrible at that point. And then they turned the wheel. They listened to the. Then they, they were getting booed. They turned tail, and look what's happened two years later. They are most over tag team in years. Yeah, most reigning tag team championship all time. Longest reigning WWE World Tag Team Champions. I mean, I'm not a Mark, so I didn't say that, but yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I meant. In fairness, he's right. Like something about the New Day and their their power of positivity. positivity. No, no, some, something about them uh, spells greatness and prints money. As you can see, merch. Their merch, yeah. But there, there's something about those guys that you can see whoever they're feeding with, doesn't matter if the other people look bad, which is obviously the goal. You want to make you both look good. But the New Day always look great. And it's phenomenal how they do that. Because I think they really turned them into a really good sort of... Uh, they Yeah, it sort of... They sort of embraced the, the booze they were getting at first. And I think with their comedic antics as well, that's kind of what made them turn face. Because not only did... They became, they started off as annoying, but then they slowly, slowly and gradually became entertaining. I mean, we can talk about the New Day all day. Like. Yeah, let's move away slightly, back to the kind of point of how WWE do things. There was a stable, they started off doing well, mucked up, and continuously mucked up, but they were great at the peak, the peak. The Wyatt family? The Wyatt, Wyatt family, on the, on the nose. I mean, what can, what can you say about the Wyatt family? They've, they've taken so, they've had so many great feuds. Uh, the biggest, one of the biggest chants of all time was with the Daniel Bryan feud with the Wyatts when he finally turned against them. Oh, uh, it was a great match against John Cena. I personally think it's a great match. Don't know if anyone agrees with that. I think one of their best Great matches, match against The Shield. Yeah. The, well, I think one of their best matches actually was two out of three falls. Harper and Rowan were going against the Usos. Usos as well. Uh, they've had a feud with the New Day. They've faced the New Day, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously, even, even better, they managed to make Randy Orton not boring. <laughs> for maybe the first couple of years of that man's career uh, yeah. in the last let's be honest Orton was fantastic evolution all that uh, was it unhinged Orton when he was like like punt kicking people everywhere yeah, but they managed to make him interesting again and then WWE screwed it up by having again a, again and, and now obviously Luke Harper uh, and Eric Rowan are they're, they're the bludgeon brothers carrying hammers around so the Wyatt family are officially no more. And Bray Wyatt's a crossdresser now. Well, it's not a crossdresser. Let's, let's not talk about Sister Abigail. I, let's, I love Sister let, If we're going to talk about the Wyatt, the Wyatt for now, let's briefly talk about the match they had with the Shield Elimination Chamber. That was As a stable versus stable match, is there many better out there? Was that, was that wasn't the Shield's first loss, was no, it? it? No, it wasn't. Because no, it, wasn't, wasn't wasn't it? The, it wasn't just stable versus stable, it was heel stable versus heel stable. The Shield? They were both heels at the time. At that time. The, 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 the shield were turning. They yeah. weren't heels, they were turning. Turn, yeah. They yeah. were turning, yeah. So, but as a match, is there many better stable versus stable matches you've seen? Absolutely not. I mean, not in recent memory. Evolution versus shield, pretty good. That was quite good, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, that's fair enough. That's a good Re WrestleMania 27 missed a big opportunity as well. Oh, oh, sorry. Not to be mad, but TLC 2015, I believe. 
uh, <laughs> Team ECW versus the Wyatts was oh, quite yeah. good actually I actually really enjoyed that that was quite funny I, I quite liked that, that. that. Tommy like. Dreamer's in there he's banging people with kendo sticks got a cheese grater put it to Luke Harper's um, undercarriage I think <laughs> after the one point it was pretty good but you know uh, obviously uh, Shield versus Wyatt's what a match yeah that, I, that's probably one of my favourite Shield matches ever let's move, let's move on away, away from Mendel Wyatt's let's talk about the guys in NXT we talked about them earlier on Sanity Sanity I like Sanity do they have do they have the potential can't yes. find a team that are more incredibly over next time the New Day Eric Young over Killian Dane over Nick Cross over, over. Sebastian Wolf. Alexander Wolf. Alexander Wolf. sorry Wolf's uh, the, the most oh, over oh, guy oh, on the stable. Over? Yeah. yeah. yeah right, over. He doesn't have his own theme music yet. The least over guy in the full stable is Eric Young, which is quite which is, mm. which is interesting. He's supposed to be the de facto leader of it. I think, I think it's because he represents sanity. He doesn't really need to get the extra cheers. And the, that's why his music is the stable's music. And half of them are basically ICW folk as well. Because you've got Killian Dane, who's Big Demo, and Nikki Cross, who's formerly Nikki Star. Who are also married, I believe. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Engaged, sorry, engaged to be married. Well, isn't that nice? But yeah, they're close. They're there, they're getting there. But you know, uh, what, a, what a stable. And also, they're having that big feud with uh, the... Undisputed Era. Undisputed Era, which are the, you know, obviously the Ring of Honor guys. Yeah, if, if, if Josh was, if Josh was here, Josh would be raving and absolutely... So that's him, Adam Cole, Kyle Kel, uh, O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Adam Cole, baby. To you, yeah. maybe. No, well, essentially, it's great because this angle's involving. Uh, oh, what's his name? I only know his name in the ICW. Yeah. Drew Galloway, sorry. Yeah, it's also on Drew McIntyre. It's Drew McIntyre, but it's Drew Galloway. Uh, Drew McIntyre is involved in this as well because he came out to attack. Um, he came out to get the Embassy Yeah, He got Robert Strong instead. Roderick Strong, is he, is he joined the Mystery Dear No, he's not. He's, he's not. He, Roderick Strong, I think he teamed with them in a match, did he not? No, he's teased him in a match. He's teaming with Offers of Pain. Oh, that's, how does that work? Sorry, how does that work? Uh, they're setting up for War Games coming back. Are they technically a stable with James Allering being with them? Paul Allering being with them. Are they technically a stable or are they just a tag team? All those people are a tag team. Yeah, I would say so. Paul Allering's got the manager that you're going to do him before. Of course. Obviously, I'd like to talk a bit more about them, but we'll talk about them briefly as well. We talked about Bullet Club earlier on. Do you think they're good? You obviously said they're getting too big, but the core of them, Omega, the Bucks, Skrull... Look at what they've produced. Well, not Cody. Cody's entirely overrated. Somebody shares my opinion. Story for another day. That's another day, yeah. Highly pushed, but he is... Overrated. He's great, but he's not what he's made out to be. Anyway, uh, look at the, you can't say the Bullet Club aren't great when you think about who's been in it. Uh, Prince Devitt, otherwise known as Finn Balor, AJ Styles, uh, Luke Gallows, Carl Machine Gun Anderson. You've got Kenny Omega. You've got the Young Bucks. You've got um, Tamatonga, and who's in it now as well? Uh, who was a third person that I'm missing out from that? Someone who's really big is Fally. Fally, I think I'm playing with Fally. Yeah, I think I'm Fally as well. So look at all these guys that you've got coming, and and also Bullet Club had the thing where they've had some of the Japanese wrestlers join them as well. Only a couple, like a crossover kind of thing. Yeah. But that's a very successful table. They've, they've got some of the best names. It's the in independent wrestling. That's a great, that's a great stable now. We'll briefly also now talk about what's happened. There's some great stables as we talked earlier on on this side. 
of the ball in the UK. We talked about uh, very strong style. We're all Scottish in the ICW. ICW's produced some great stables over the years. The Black Label? Well, I was thinking of the Filthy NA. Generation. I was Legion. thinking of the NAK. The new, NA, new Express. Yes. Filthy Generation. Legion. Legion, yeah. They've currently got a couple of ones up and coming. They've got Bad Company in the Fight Network as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the New Age Click, yeah, there was... Uh, the New Age Click, I think if you think about stables in ICW, yep. New Age Click's kind of one that kind of comes to mind. Polo promotions aren't. No, they were briefly. They were briefly a stable. Well, they're not really. When you think about it, you just think of Jackie Polo and Mark Coffey. Yeah, but I they were, do anyway. They were briefly a stable when they had DCT and Coast Trip. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they were kind of a stable in that type of one. Um, I said they're not really. Not that they weren't. I mean, but they're not really. You mentioned some great ones, and obviously Legion is. That, I think Legion was, was when that when it was at its peak. When it was at its peak, so it was Dante. Mikey Whiplash and Tommy Ender. I couldn't remember uh, Alistair Black, yeah. Black obviously is known as, so I couldn't remember his name. But that, that was a great stable as well. So there has been some great stables in this side of one. There's kind of one that people are saying is good and are not the best promotion. I mean, David, you, you watch WCPW? I mean, not many, not many, not many people do. Um, the prestige. The prestige. Yeah. 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 Joe Hendry's in it. Right, okay. The prestige is Joe Henry, BT Gun. BT Gun. Joe Coffey and Travis Banks. For this, uh, Touchwood, sad to see any wrestling promotion go badly, but WCBW I've not heard much of since its initial run. It's getting rebranded to, it's say, getting rebranded to something else now, right? Defiant Wrestling. Defiant Wrestling. You'll never guess who the general manager is. Mm, Eric Bischoff or something. No, like that. it's Wade Barrett. Oh no, I have heard this. Well, I mean, Stupid Wade reason. Barrett raised a statement recently saying that he expects to be back in wrestling within the next year. You think he'll be a part of Defiant Wrestling? Uh, well, I think he'll be a part of a stable within it. He'll be a heel manager or Absolutely. whatever. He'll be the heel guy, you know. Yeah. But they're doing quite, they're, they're a good, uh, pretty decent stable prestige. WCPW is getting redefined because a lot of their big sort of management talents have they've, they've all left. left. Yeah. yeah. But we're not talking about WCPW. No, no, they've, they've got their own thing. You mentioned as well Filthy Generation. They've, yeah. they've, they've obviously expanded now with Lucidabin and Aspen Safe. Because I remember going to. As someone who's been to ICW shows irregularly, really, it was interesting going to Fear and Loathing last year and seeing their music and seeing them come out as an actual like team and then going to events after that. And it's really made... Oh, I forgot his name. Stevie Boy. Stevie Boy, right? Mm-hmm. It's really made him into actually quite a, a good leader character as someone who's definitely coming forward as a strong imposing kind of like guy well he was always despite a, being a coward when he was in the NEK it was kind of it was kind of like, it was a bit more in the background because he obviously had yeah. the Renfro BT Gun Wolf Gang so he was kind of like the fourth man but he's really well come into his own with uh, the filthy generation well, executive he's not finished the man is one to chime in here clearly well well what all I've done is I've turned on microphone number one that's my microphone just so that I can chime in whenever I want so but continue <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I thought you were planning on chiming oh, in no, 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 they're, no. they're now a bigger stable because they got joined with the Kings of Catch, right? No, Kings Adam of Catch. Faith and Lewis. Yeah, Kings of Catch. Part of yeah. the generation. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 So they're really building themselves as a proper stable. Yes. Yeah. Well, Kings of Catch. Uh, going to be brief on topic. They've been announced to fight uh, the Kinky Party. Oh, Shaft Samuels and uh, Chuck Jester. Yeah, the Fear and Loving. They're a bit of an odd couple, aren't they? <laughs> they 
that, that's the point, though. <laughs> but, um, I quite like the idea. But they, they're really good, they're behind the scenes are really good pals, so it really does work, and I do like the whole thing of, that's why I, I don't want to really be part of it, but I'll just drag my heels that's why I, that's it, why it's I, funny. That's why I never liked them having Grado and Sheffield in every promotion, because everybody knows their pals. I mean, Mark Dallas was the only one that clocked, but let's put these two together. That's like saying you see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn feud all the time. You know they're pals backstage, but you see them fight all the time. Oh, they're not feuding no more. Yeah, exactly. Yay, the brothers are back. Yeah, we want Sami. I'm actually just fighting for Sami. I'm behind it. Ah, yeah, I think it's great. So, it's rejuvenation you needed. Right, guys, last five minutes of the show. I'm going to ask the question. We've got five minutes to talk about it. Best of all time, stable. We'll start with James. Okay. You were just looking at me, that was all. <laughs> Good question. Stable that I have enjoyed the most watching, and this is, I've watched a lot of old wrestling. In terms of watching everything, matches and all that, I, uh, for me it's actually the Wyatt family. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yep. That's an interesting I think choice. they have a transformative power towards anyone they're feeding with, and they have a very powerful uh, gimmick and like mode of operation behind them, where they can turn people, turn themselves, change stories, change tracks. You shove them in. That's working. Mm. Uh, Dave, who are you going with? Well, can it be from any era? Because I've got a couple from. I've got two that I can mention. One from sort of the past, and one from go for it. Go for it. From the past. If we're sort of thinking 90s, 2000s, I'd say DX. Yeah, DX is a yeah, if we're something more modern, more recent, probably the New Day. Like every time you hear Biggie on the microphone and the, the music plays, I just get straight into it. I really thought you were going to say BWO. Mm-hmm. I was really Is that really the video that includes Sunny Boy? Or is he a. Sunny Boy? Ah, uh, it was a whole thing they did. It was great. No, I'm a member of the crowd to join the new day. What's your, what's your favourite trombone? <laughs> Agnes. <laughs> Francesca too. No, Agnes. <laughs> Francesca too. Agnes wasn't a. She, she was technically a trombone, but she wasn't really a trombone. She, she was bagpipes. She or something. That was bagpipes. She was bagpipes. Even worse. Rob Glasgow. Even worse. So you, so you say the new day. I'm saying the new day. Okay. Because, because they're consistently entertaining and their ring work is pretty pretty consistent. And also, most just recently had one of the best feud, best tag team feuds ever with the Usos. I think they just they nailed it. And I hated them before, but I've gro- I grew to like them, like everyone else. I got with DX. Just because of the time when they were about. Oh, no, I, I agree with you. I'll love the show, though. I was... See the, see the day that Bones turned on them? I was like, one of the most saddest days ever. Saddest days I, I ever. I would say... I think the same thing will happen if New Day break up as well. Nah, I think New Day are going to part ways amicably. We're going to find David on a bench somewhere in Clothing Grove or something like that. Just like, out. Just like... Just like... Quaaludes in his hand. A wee note saying they can't bear it anymore. Sw- swimming in Brazil's. Exactly. No, no, I would, I would say I, I look, I thoroughly look forward to being surprised by what the Shield have coming up because I don't think it's going to be the same. I think they're going to get some new stuff in. Even despite the fact they've got the old music and the old clothes on, I think we're going to see something better out of them. Even though they were top before. I think the Shield are pretty damn good as well. I think it's just the. Um, I feel like I never really sort of really clicked with them like I have with New Day. We can always get Team Hell No back if it doesn't work, so it's fine. Okay. Team Hell No and right Team back. Hell No, yeah! So, oh, we've got a couple of DX's shields and that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, nobody for free count. No. no. Anybody for social outcasts? Uh, I don't think we've mentioned them before. Three Man Band! Three Man Band! Oh no! Look at the success 
that oh, the miscellation. How many? How many gods made did we forget about 3MB? They're all A-listers now. Two oh. of them are with the actual A-lister, and one of them is the champion. Well, I one believe. Of, one of them shouldn't be an A-lister. One definitely has earned his place, and one I don't know what the heck's happened oh, to him. Is this their A-crusade against Jinder Halligan? Just to call. I'll save that for another day, but yeah. I think I Drew, expect that you do. Drew has earned his place, no doubt about it. And at that point, we're closing off this week's edition of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, where we've clearly not got enough time to talk about stables as David went to three man band hmm. rant, but I think we got through quite a lot. I would say we did. I'm just pleased with it, yeah. Definitely. Yep. So yep, so this will be on Mixcloud going forward now, so if you want to view the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, I got that out with Mixcloud, it's www.mixcloud.com forward slash EFS Retweet. It'll also be on the Fusion Takeover Radio Mixcloud, that's it, the next same one, forward slash Fusion Takeover. Yep, so give us a give our page a like, and if you want to hear us uh, talk about any other specific wrestling related topics, just drop us a message and we'll... Uh, we'll We'll see what we can do. Yep, we'll be back next week where we'll be talking about the evolution of the 2K series. Or just with the up- in general. With the upcoming WWE 2K18, or upcoming, it's now out. Yeah, it's now out. It's now out, so maybe a week later than that, but yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, we need to replay it. It's not just 2K games we're going to talk about, you know, we've got to mention THQ and all that. Yep. Definitely. So following on from us, we've got Sarah Quinn and the Wednesday Wind Down, so that's an, an hour and a half of nice chilled out tunes on your, on your Wednesday afternoon. Evening. Or evening. I did so well. We're going to finish on a song that's completely unrelated to, ch- to stables, but I really like it. So from us at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, I'm Stephen Wilson. I'm David Hockney. I'm James Murphy. And this is Joe Henry. From us, so enjoy and we'll see you next week. better, but there's still so much to do. Joe Henry makes things better for ICW me.